You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, musical, muscular, and or mustached muchachos, mud skippers, mm-hmm. and muffins. This is Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. Today's show is episode 102, and of course, I am your humble host, Karen, and we are your orating orchestra of original organisms orbiting ortolans. I am Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. All right, time for our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hotshot. And I have a random trivial pursuit card, and you guys have your barnyard buzzers. Here we go. Blue Wedge for Geography. What 1980 Blondie hit was originally a Jamaican pop song recorded by the Paragons in 1967? Mm. Colin. That is, the tide is high. Yes. Oh, I wouldn't have gotten that right. All right. Pink Wedge for Pop Culture. Cigar entrepreneur Bill Rankick. Rancic? Rancic. 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 All right. (laughs) Was the first winner of what TV competition? Chris. The Apprentice. Yes, The Apprentice. Yellow Wedge. What sort of giant sound did Ross Perot claim the United States would hear if NAFTA passed? Is it a giant giant sucking sound, right? Yes. 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 (laughs) It just said sucking. What's that giant sucking sound? What is NAFTA? North Atlantic Federal Trade. North American Free Trade Trade Agreement. Agreement. Makes it it easier to exchange things Mm. with Canada and Mexico. Right. All right. Purple Wedge. Cynthia Brimhall was the first Playboy playmate to appear in her centerfold free of what? Uh, uh, Chris. Pubic hair. No. Well, I I don't know. Maybe it was. Oh, no. I was going to say the bunny ears, but I don't think that's it either. Underwear? uh, It's not about her. It's mostly about the magazine. Oh. Oh. Uh, Staples? Yes. Oh. Oh, okay. I see. Kind of far. So it's really really more of a magazine production. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, the magazine switched to a glued binding with the October 1985 Uh, issue. That's that's a good one. That's pretty late, 85. Hmm. Wait, oh, so that means there's no, like, staple holes. Right. You don't need to worry about (laughs) what's covered up or what would have been shown (laughs) had there not been these unsightly staple (laughs) holes. Right underneath that staple, there's something really good. (laughs) They always hide it underneath the staples. (laughs) Green Wedge for Science. A famous photo of Albert Einstein taken on his 72nd birthday shows him doing what in the backseat of a car? Uh, is, that, is that the photo of him sticking his tongue out? Yes. Okay. okay. Doesn't look like it's the backseat of a car. I didn't no. know that. Oh. I didn't know that. Seems like a portrait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Last question. Orange Wedge. I'm going to not let Chris answer this. I'm going to let Dana I and Colin put answer the buzzer okay. down. Okay. Video games. Name three of the five fruits that appear for bonus points in the original arcade version of Pac-Man. Uh-huh. Work together. You can work together. So cherries, cherries strawberries, one. orange. Peach? Pretzel, but that's not a fruit. So we're going to go three. So we know yeah. cherries. Cherries. There's uh, definitely an orange. Definitely an orange. No orange. Oh, oh wait. No. Miss Pac-Man has the orange. I played so Miss cherries. 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 I think one was a peach. Peach. Ding, 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 Apple. Was there a strawberry? Ding, 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 ding. Oh, okay. Strawberry. Ding, 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 ding. Watermelon? No. Last oh. one was grapes. Grapes. Oh, okay. Oh. I assume it's a cluster, not 
Yeah, yeah, cluster. That would be a, a, that would, a, that would a just be a ball. plum or, yeah. yeah. Good job, brains. Oh, that was a good one. And we have a Loeb Trotter fact, a Loeb Trotter postcard. Loeb Trotters are our fan club members who got the fan club pack last year. They get to send in a cool fact. This is it's from- a real. It's a real Sophie's choice too, because you made this. Uh, you made this. Uh, the postcard is really elegantly designed, and it's a cool little piece of good job brain memorabilia. And they have to send it back. They have to send it back to you. So this is from Scott and Bailey. They said this. Greetings from Detroit. Detroit has the only floating post office <laughs> in the USA. Ah. The J.W. Westcott Second Docks, just south of the Ambassador Bridge, along the western shore of the Detroit River. Huh. She is America's only floating zip code. That is cool. 48222. Wow. Uh, delivering for over 100 years. Uh, and was originally formed to inform ships of changes in orders. Hmm. Uh, today, the ship... Duties include mail delivery, freight delivery, and passenger delivery to large vessels. Uh, she has even been known to deliver mid-river pizzas. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. I was like, oh my uh, god, you get pizzas on this floating thing. Thank yeah. you, Scott and Bailey, for your awesome fact. So this week, our topic is suggested by Colin. Yeah. So, you know, I've been interested before in things that move fast, things that travel fast. I want to talk all about <laughs> speed. I feel the need, the need, need for, for speed. speed. Got you jumping off the deck, shoving in the overdrive. You guys can keep doing that, but Dana and I are not going to do that with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can try to do it. All right, so I have a quiz for you guys. All right. I would say it's tangentially about speed. All right. <laughs> I found a number of words that have the word fast somewhere in the word. Oh, great. Oh, word. word puzzle. Yeah. Word puzzle. I love a good word puzzle. So I will give you a clue about right. the word, and then you guys buzz in and tell me what it is. All right. All right. Molly Ringwald, Cillian Murphy, and Audrey Hepburn were all in movies with this word in the title. Mm, Colin. Breakfast. Yes. Oh. Breakfast Club. Club. Breakfast on Mars with Cillian Murphy and, and Breakfast, Breakfast at, at Tiffany's. Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. This word originally meant disagreeable, distasteful, and later it meant disgusted. The current meaning, very attentive to detail, ah. dates from the 17th century. Chris. Fastidious. Fastidious. I think it's funny that originally it meant dis- disagreeable and distasteful. Yeah. Like people who are fastidious are often also <laughs> disagreeable. Oh, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> Goblet thrown. That's right. Shots fired. Just relax, okay? Just relax. It's going to be okay. Come on. It's just a quiz. Yeah. <laughs> Batten, flange, frog, pimnut, treasury tag, and wedge anchor are all examples of this. Colin. You guys are good. Uh, fasteners? Fasteners. Fasteners. Oh. They're all types of fasteners. I like flange. Mm-hmm. Flange. Yeah. <laughs> In Pokemon. Yes. Yes. This ability raises the Pokemon's speed stat by one stage every time it flinches. 
I I have never I played Come Pokemon. On. No idea. Wait, is that a buffer attack? All right. I'm so embarrassed. What, yeah, it is steadfast. I'm sure, a lot of the kids out there got that. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. They feel yep. very good about themselves. Good. They should. <laughs> a number of people in Christian denominations practice this during Lent. Mm, Karen. Fasting? Yes. Hmm. This band was known for their 1998 song, The Way, about the disappearance of an elderly married couple. Uh-huh. Karen. Fast ball. Yes. Some 1990s music. <laughs> That's right. Okay. The 1966 Ford Mustang and the Tesla Model S are examples of this type of car body shape. Uh, that is a fast back. Yes. Oh. It's like the slopey, um, like a hatchback kind of, but a little bit slicker looking. Yeah. Like, kind of angled. That's one letter angled. away from fat back. Yeah. It is. Which, it, there's some fat back right in this room right now that oh. we're going to put into the sausage later on this evening. So. They're making cheddar sausage. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, you guys. Nice. <laughs> we took a little uh, detour into sausage land at the end there. Yeah. We, I, it's nobody, top of mind. Yeah, nobody yeah. ever minds the detour into sausage land. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> cheddar, cheddar worst, more like cheddar best. Oh. That's for a different episode. Maybe That's we need to explore the wonderful world of sausage, sausage. puns. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, just puns. Just sausage, just sausage puns. puns. <laughs> right, 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 right. Kielbasa. I don't even know her. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Listen. You tried coming up with a second sausage pun just seconds after the Wait first sausage Hold pun. You, you don't see the links between the two. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. Slow clap. <laughs> when we talk about speed, there is one company, especially in the United States, that is synonymous with speedily delivering something, getting something to you at the absolute top rate of speed. It's, it's it really, FedEx. It's FedEx. It's, FedEx. Become a, it's become a verb. Oh, FedEx it over to me. Oh, right? yeah. I never yeah. thought about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One, of those, one of those good problems to have where your uh, your brand starts becoming a uh, a genericized term and you want to prevent against it, but at the same time, it means you're you are synonymous. You are owning yeah. that, yeah. that That's world. True. And, yeah. and, That's and, true. In, and in fact, Federal Express, the, the, the company, which was founded in the early 70s, really started the idea of you need this thing immediately and we are the people who are going to get it to you immediately. So when FedEx was founded, its founder's name is Frederick Smith and he's still the CEO of FedEx. It was all because of the emerging computer world, the landscape of computers. More and more businesses were relying on computers to get things done. Mm-hmm. And what this meant was, uh, what, what Fred Smith kind of understood uh-huh. was that if your computer's broken, then you're, you're reliant on computer parts. You've yeah. got to get your computer fixed, which means that this small part, they've got to get it to you fast. And you were going to pay a lot of money to get you that thing fast. Yeah. If you think about it, prior to this, there really wasn't that big of a need for you to get something. You've got to have it overnight. I gotta have this overnighted to me. What was the need for that? If you needed shoes for your horse, you know, the guy next door made <laughs> yeah. shoes for your horse. It wasn't, it wasn't like there was only one company in America that serviced everybody. It's like, you know, you got it from your local business and that was fine. Right. I thought it was gonna be documents, the urgency of documents. Cause now when yeah. you FedEx stuff, most mm-hmm. of the time it's, oh, the deed or I need to get this notarized. And yeah. Overnight. And certainly, uh, Fred Smith also perceived that that was something, but there was actually a reason that he could 
couldn't get into that business first, which okay. I will, which I will oh, talk okay. about thank in you. due time. Yes, but what thank you for bringing you it up. 1971 was when he founded Federal Express. Okay. He had the idea when he was a student at Yale University, right? right. Um, and he actually wrote a paper about it. The situation at the time was if you wanted to get something from I don't know California to New York, and you wanted to get it there as fast as you possibly could, it had to go through many different companies because mm-hmm. there was no one company at all that will no private company there was no private company there was the the united states postal service and they were flying packages you know by mail but if you wanted a private company to really like you know courier this thing and get it there as soon as possible it would have to go on you know in an air freight plane but somebody would have to put it on the plane and then some other company would have to come in and pick it up and all of these little Mm -hmm. things would just delay 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 and so he realized gee if there was or he hypothesized really at this point Mm-hmm. If there was one company that owned the trucks and they had a centralized, you know, sorting system and that they were basically an airline, they would use the hub and spoke system and have a centralized hub. The item would go there. It would get sorted. Then would go on the plane. Then he writes the paper about it and he got a bad grade. Right. Right. <laughs> really? of I mean, apparently the professor was just sort of like, yeah, it's not, this is not feasible. And there were reasons why it wasn't totally feasible, which again, we'll, we'll get to. In 1971, he founded Federal Express. He had a, a significant advantage because his family was rich. Okay. <laughs> and well, he was actually able to, He had $8 million in what? family money that he was able to invest. You know, if you want to burn through $8 million, start an airline, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he had to buy a bunch of planes. He had to buy everything else, offices around the country, trucks, everything. Um, and they burned, they burned through that pretty fast. Yeah. And in fact, there was a point. I mean, like a lot of startups, they weren't profitable at first. There came a time in 1973... Two years after he had founded Federal Express, the company was down to its last $5,000 in the bank at the beginning of a weekend. It was a Friday. And what they were facing was they were not going to be able to fuel the planes on Monday. They were not going to be able to make payroll on Monday. And they just didn't have enough cash to do it. They were kind of between rounds of venture capital. They just didn't have a lot of cash. And I mean... You have to have cash to keep the doors open. As you say, things like jet fuel and yeah. <laughs> running jet trucks, fuel it's not cheap. And everything, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So Fred Smith, faced with this problem going into the weekend, decides he takes the $5,000, goes to Las Vegas, oh! Nevada, wow. and he plays blackjack. Yeah. On Monday, he wires $32,000 back to FedEx. It is enough to buy the fuel. It is enough to make payroll. It is enough to keep the company going. (laughs) This man's a gambler in every sense. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, people asked him about it. They were like, you did what with the what? And he's like, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. We were going to, $5,000 or $0, we weren't going to be able to make payroll. We weren't going to be able to buy fuel. (laughs) Right, right. It didn't matter. At least he was a good blackjack player. He was a great blackjack player, apparently. It's true. Yeah, $5,000 is the same as $0 at At that that case. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. at that point. But 32 was enough to keep the doors Mm -hmm. open. And then that was the turnaround. They they were able to make it to the next point where they needed more venture capital. They got it. And then they were able to get profitable. Now, as we have teased a couple of times, (laughs) there were two major regulations that FedEx believed were really keeping it from, like, exploding. Number one, there were federal government regulations on what size airplanes that a cargo airline could use. Mm. The jet they were using was called the Dassault Falcon, and they were small. In 1977, after, like, heavy lobbying from FedEx, Congress backed off of these restrictions. That same year, FedEx went out and bought seven Boeing 27, 727s. Got it. And was seven times as big as the Falcons. Okay. Yep. 
The other thing holding it back, prior to 1979, it was illegal to use another means of sending someone a letter. Mm. Whoa! Yep. It was illegal to compete with the Postal Service. So there was um, private cargo still, and private goods, but yeah. no private letters. Yes. Yeah. You could send a package via something else, but the Postal Service had a government-ordered monopoly on the sending of letters. But in 79, there was a lot of pressure from, from businesses saying, you guys, you're not good at your jobs. Like, you're not... We, we need to be able to send documents like overnight documents it's really important and you know it took years but yeah in 79 they said they they changed the regulations and they said that a private company could deliver letters just as long as it had to cost at least twice as much as first class mail Uh, or if it was an overnight urgent overnight delivery 1981 fedex introduced overnight letter service and that must have just been opening the floodgates for them oh yeah now ironically right now if you send U.S. Postal Service priority mail or U.S. Postal Service express mail, anything that travels in the air, FedEx handles that. <laughs> they, they outsource have, it. They have the con- yeah. yeah, they contract it out to FedEx. So all um, of the air travel that this mail does, not the ground travel because that's in your mail trucks, right? But all of the air travel is which they were sort of forced so they actually, to. I mean, yeah. Yeah. they just won the contract uh, again in 2013. They'd had the contract wow. uh, for a while, and they just got yeah, it again for the seven sense, years. Because yeah. there's no yeah. Yeah, they realized they couldn't compete. So you see a FedEx plane flying around. It's got your FedEx, and then it's also got your regular, your 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 postal, postal. yeah, any priority and express. So again, as we've talked about, lots of fascinating stuff here. Federal Express, as in the company that delivers things overnight, is not named that anymore. Right, and Mm -hmm. it's actually called, and you've seen this on the boxes. FedEx Express. It is a redundant <laughs> recursive <laughs> okay. name. Federal yeah. Express Express. It's called FedEx. FedEx Express. It is now just one of many companies operated by the umbrella group FedEx Corp. And the other companies, you probably worked with them a lot too. As we got into the late 90s and the uh, you know early 2000s, a couple of things started happening that really started affecting FedEx's bottom line. Number one... People stopped really needing to send overnight letters to people because mm-hmm. you can just email. send them an email, yep. yeah. right? So that bottoms out. Number two, the the good part was people stopped. Uh, maybe people aren't sending as many like super urgent overnight documents anymore. But with eBay and Amazon, people are now not only buying a lot more stuff online. The average person is now becoming a small business and like sending Mm -hmm. stuff out online, selling their possessions on eBay. So there suddenly became more of a need for slightly less fast shipping for shipping that was cheaper, but not quite as fast. So FedEx, there were two, you know, big acquisitions. One was the copy shop, uh, Kinko's, right? Which they then changed into FedEx Kinko's, and now I believe it's just called FedEx Office. The reason for buying it was not only because, yeah, it's sort of the same thing. You know, you're a business. You got to get copies made. You got to send things. It's sort of all, you know, of a piece. But it was having FedEx drop-off locations for big parcels all over the place. The other acquisition was RPS. The, the ground delivery service. Mm. That was a, you might, I, I used to see yellow 
RPS trucks. I've never seen them. Out and about. Maybe it was more of an East Coast thing. But they mm-hmm. bought them. And uh, and so that's how they start competing with UPS in terms of the slower ground delivery. So now you see FedEx Ground with right. the yes. green, yeah, yeah, green yeah. logo. Mm-hmm. Separate company right. operated by FedEx Corp. Those two acquisitions were really important in terms of because their revenue transitioned significantly from the overnight business being most of it to you know being general. a lesser and lesser percentage because now they have to do these cheaper things for, for people. Got yeah. it, got it. And uh, all told, an average of 10 million packages a day wow. go through the FedEx system. They huh. also have flown pandas. They, <laughs> they flew pandas from the United States to, to China. China? Do yep. they call that Panda Express? They, uh, <laughs> they did not. I thought pandas sat on the like, plane. Uh, like the like cushion person. seat. Yeah. And then they get <laughs> drinks and nuts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm going yeah. go, to go ahead and say no, 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 no to that. I, there was a viral photo. That was, yeah, that's that what was I saw. Oh, 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 no. No, they outfitted a whole FedEx cargo plane with a special For panda pandas. delivery. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was weird because I saw that one viral picture and I was like That's yeah that was so a, that was a fake that that photo that was circulating <laughs> yeah <laughs> so keeping in line with the theme of speed and quickness and fast I have assembled a quiz for you guys called how fast <laughs> real fast how fast is it <laughs> and what we're going to do in this quiz is I'm going to ask you guys questions about various speed records and how fast certain things go and you're going to give me your best estimate wow. and here's a little okay. twist is we're going to do this uh, price is right style answers so it's closest to the actual answer without going over okay, okay. so we'll rotate who goes first here so no one's at an advantage or disadvantage so Karen mm-hmm. we'll start with you going first and we'll rotate from there okay all right, so you all have a pad and pen, and you're going to write down your answers. These are all going to be in miles okay, per hour. Okay, what unit? These will all be in miles per hour, and I've rounded them all off. Uh, and, okay. of course, I will exercise judge's discretion as needed. Okay. So, to the nearest mile per hour. Why do you guys use kilometers? Because we're American. Yeah. Okay. All right, here we go. Give me your best estimate. What is the record for the fastest pitch Ever recorded in Major League Baseball history. I am so bad. Got to lock in your answer. Got to lock something in. Price is right style. So Karen will give her answer, and then Chris and Dana get to see it. Okay. All right. Karen has guessed 114 miles per hour. All right. Chris's turn. I'm good with visualization, but like speed is such a, you know, you can't, you see something go by. I just, I I know, I I cannot understand. 131 miles per hour. Woo! All right. All right. I and Dana is guessing one. <laughs> I'll say one fifteen. Okay. okay. So you're all over. So, uh, but Karen is the closest, so we'll give the we'll give the point to Karen. If no, you, she, no, no one she gets. It. No one gets the point. Yeah. No one gets the point. Well, uh, do we need an exception for when you all go over? No, all right. No, so that's, that's a well that's well a. Uh, the the fastest officially recorded pitch was 105 uh, miles per hour. I almost said 104 too. Yes. I was like, ah. Chapman, uh, who plays for the Cincinnati Reds, uh, yep, threw that pitch in 2010. And uh, for our non-American listeners, that is a little bit over 168 kilometers an hour. <sighs> okay. When we talk about supersonic jets. Which we do a lot. Uh, which we do. We have more than once. Uh, of course, that means jets that travel faster than the speed of sound. Uh-huh. Oh, so, man. give me your best answer. 
Okay. This is not a sports question, so you can't ding me for that. Uh-huh. What? This is almost like what sports. is the speed of sound? Uh, and I will uh, for you, uh, uh, scientifically minded people. This is in dry air at sea level at normal temperature and pressure and all that stuff. I like don't even know where to begin. What's I the forget. speed of sound? Uh, and Chris right. is going first. All right. He wrote a long thing. Chris has written nine hundred and fifty-three miles per hour. Dana has written 300, 300 miles per hour. Karen, 1,000 miles per hour. Uh, Dana was closest without going over. Uh, it is, in fact, 767, oh, yeah. 767 <laughs> miles per hour. I won, but I was pretty far off. That's the beauty of Price is Right yeah, style that's right. Yeah, exactly. And again, with the conversion to kilometers, that is 1,234 kilometers. Oh, 1,234. It so is, yeah, 1,234 per hour. Wait, wait, this is a good mnemonic. So, like, mm. planes, you think about planes traveling sound, 767 is a plane model. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Although you might forget and say 747. <laughs> yeah, but you're close. Yeah, yeah you are close. close. 767, right. and then kilometers is 1234. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. mm-hmm. I right. think we accidentally came up with a mnemonic yeah. there. Usain Bolt uh, is rightly recognized as the fastest human in the world. Okay. Uh, he currently, in case you aren't aware, he currently holds the world records in both the 100 meters and the 200 meters. So tell me, at his peak in miles per hour, how fast fast does Usain Bolt run? I think Karen knows And I can give you a hint if you want the average person. I know know minute per mile, which means I have to do some conversion. So uh, the the generally accepted number is like a a, a human in good condition can sort of peak at around 23 miles an hour. Okay. Dana has answered 32 miles an hour. Karen has guessed 80 miles an hour. Chris has says 33. <laughs> uh, again, you're all over. Oh, uh, what is it? Uh, it? Just under 28 miles an hour. So I should have guessed one mile an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. As the last person. Well, I had, yeah. I mean, you know, from a from a game, uh, you know, theory standpoint, I had two potential options, right? I could yeah. guess one, which means that it's under Dana, or, or I could guess over. 33, which means oh. that it's between, in that big fat zone between yeah. Dana's and yours. Right, or, right. Or after but I just picked the No, no, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy talk. Yeah, at 80 miles an hour, he would be uh, faster than a cheetah. And once more, the kilometer conversion, that would be just under 45 kilometers an hour. I really appreciate your kilometer conversion for me. Because you're so continental. Got it. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, I know miles because that's the distance I run in. Yeah. But in terms of, like, scaling it for cars and planes, I have no oh, yeah. idea. Oh, interesting. <laughs> According to Guinness World Records, how fast is the fastest production car in the world. Production, what does that mean? So production car means we're not talking about a one-off Formula One racer or something like that. So production oh. car has a very specific definition in terms of Guinness's rules. Like, this is a car that, if you had enough money, you could buy one of these. I mean, it, it's got to pass emissions test. It's got to have, you know, headlights and, and turn signals. And, and also, one other stipulation is it has to be a car that there are 30 of them produced, you know? Okay, so okay. this is sort of to get around companies producing cars just to break this uh, speed record. So to the nearest mile per hour, how fast? Now, these are super performance, Mm -hmm. super expensive cars, Mm -hmm. way faster than you and I ever drive. Karen has guessed 130 miles an hour. Okay. Chris has guessed 218 miles per hour. What? 
$1. Dana's going. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yep. Dana's guessed 131 miles an hour. Uh, Chris is closest. Uh, and even Chris is still uh, below by a good bit. Yeah. Uh, the Guinness recognizes the Bugatti Veyron Supersport as the world's fastest production car with a recorded top peak speed of 268 wow. miles per hour. Now, when they do these speed tests, they do these on, like, landing strips. Yeah. And, I mean, because they need that much space to get up to speed. Mm-hmm. And this record actually is not without a little bit of controversy. Just last month, this past February... Did the car take steroids? The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Hennessy boutique car manufacturer, they make a car called the Venom. The Hennessy Venom GT recorded a peak speed of 270 miles per hour oh. uh, at a speed test at the Kennedy Space Center mm-hmm. uh, on the runway where they land the space shuttles, oh. actually. Oh, yeah. So, even... Even though it did peak faster, uh, it doesn't qualify for the Guinness record for, for two reasons. One, they, they're not making enough of them to hit the production level limit. Okay. They're just okay. making below that number. And also, Guinness requires you do two runs in both directions, and then they average them out oh, uh, that's smart. to cancel out any wind effects or anything like oh. that. And unfortunately, the Hennessy people, they were only able to secure enough time to do one length of a race. NASA wouldn't let them do another race the other direction. Oh, yeah. Because uh-huh. they got a space shuttle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, folks, we're about to get runway clearance. <laughs> there is a sports car on the runway, yeah. but we've been told we're next in line. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're just going to circle around one time. Just sit tight. Uh, and that speed record, again, converted to kilometers, is 431 wow. kilometers an hour. What about Usain Bolt driving one of those? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> With a cheetah in the trunk. Wait, I guess that wouldn't make it faster. What if there was a plane going the speed of sound, and then Usain Bolt was in the car at the back of the plane, and then drove forward in the plane? With the cheetah. With the cheetah. That's right. How fast does the Earth rotate? Hmm. By which I mean at the equator... Relative to its axis. Science facts you're How supposed to know. How fast man. does the Earth rotate? I can I can almost hear people yelling at us in the car. We had like this they know. Yeah. We have talked about this, right? And again, this is one where if you had the right, I mean, you have one piece of data. You know, a day is 24 hours, so you really just need to know the circumference of the Earth to kind of back Wait, this out. Your, so who's up first? Chris is up. Chris has answered 97,580 miles per hour. Dana. Dana said one mile an hour. I said one dollar. (laughs) Karen. And Karen. No! Oh. You gotta go two dollars. What is it? Karen, I think you should have stuck with what you originally had. I remember... Okay, hold on. I remember... It's one and a bunch of zeros. Oh. It's either six zeros or four zeros. Either uh-huh. one thousand or ten thousand. That's put how I hundred thousand. Karen put a oh, hundred thousand. Uh-huh. That's um, the answer. The answer is one thousand miles an hour. Ah, I got it. I told you. Put two dollars. You're not. You're not. You're not game fearing this thing. It's actually slightly over a thousand miles an hour, but yeah, the circumference of the the circumference of the Earth at the equator is just under twenty five thousand miles. And again, lastly, that is sixteen hundred kilometers an hour, a little bit over. How fast the Earth rotates. Dana didn't even put the right unit. She said one dollar, not even miles per hour. (laughs) Dollar a mile. One a dollar a mile. (laughs) 
This this is this is the uh, the good and the bad of Price is Right style scoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job, guys. Well done. Wow, thank thanks. you, thank you. All right, let's take a quick ad break. A word from our sponsor. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. You're listening to Good Job Brain. And this week we're talking about things that are speedy, things that are fast, and things that are instant. All right, I'm going to ask you guys this question first. According to a poll in the year 2000, the Japanese believed that their best invention of the 20th century was what? 20th. Instant noodles. Yes! Oh, okay. Darn it! I thought people were going to be like, oh, it's the Shinkansen train or oh. whatever. <laughs> you got it. Instant noodles. Yeah. Uh, instant noodles we know here in America mostly are the Nissan cup noodles. Yeah. yeah. Or like Maruchan, the sort of like brick of noodles. In yeah. a plastic yeah. bag. Mm, right. Cup yeah. of noodles. And, and then that's it. Yeah. That's it. There's the only two. Back in Taiwan growing up, the variety is insane yeah. and mm-hmm. it's fancy. Things get oh. fancy. It's still cheap. Like but what? Like, they actually can add meat. And meat is in like stewed meat in a pouch oh. that you can open and put over your noodles. I grew up really liking the weird kind of Chinese herbal medicine flavored noodles. Huh. Um, the noodles themselves, like they range from vermicelli, they range from egg noodles. But I mean, they're all instant. I would say that was one of the disappointments of uh, coming here in America. I was like, well, you guys just have these cup kinds. We're my fancy kinds. Sorry. Uh, They're in Japan. They're also in Japan, Mm. too, yeah. So instant noodles were actually invented by a Taiwanese person in Japan. The inventor, his Chinese name is Hu Bai Fu. He changed his name when he moved to Japan. To Johnny Noodles. (laughs) (laughs) Johnny I Noodles. I for instant. This is back when Taiwan was still, was under Japanese occupation. Uh Uh, There are a lot of uh, people who, Uh. people who would move to Japan or Japan moved to Taiwan. And he had a Japanese name. Um, it was actually a literal translation of his Chinese name, which uh, literally translates to 100 Prosperity or 100 Luck. His Japanese name also literally meant that from his Chinese name, which is Momofuku. Oh, okay. Uh, his name is Momofuku Ando. That's his Japanese name. And you might know Momofuku mm-hmm. because that is uh, celebrity chef David Chang and his uh, ramen restaurant and Asian restaurants in New York City. Yeah. It's called Momofuku. Yeah, I had no idea uh, that was the connection. Also means Lucky Peach. 100 luck, yeah. That, well, yeah. that's what I thought it meant, lucky peach, right? But It was, it was a nod to to the inventor of ramen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Or instant, huh. sorry, instant noodles. 
This is how it works. So you have the noodle dough, pretty basic, you know, starch and water, extruded out into noodle form. And the fresh noodles made is basically dunked and flash fried in oil. Uh. And that's the, that's the quote cooking process. And the noodles themselves, they're dried from the flash frying process, goes from your average kind of moisture content of 30% to 50% after frying to 5%. Whoa. Mm. That's a lot. Taking the flash fry really takes a lot of the water out. And this is why a lot of people say that it's not very healthy, which it isn't. It has a high starch content and a high oil content. Because I don't basically, think I knew that they were, yeah, fried. You're eating a yeah. soggy fried food. Yeah. That's yeah. what you're yeah. eating. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's boiling noodles. It's, mm. No, you're you're putting water <laughs> yeah, in a noodle, fried it's item. flour and water now. Yeah. Nope, no, nope. Deep fried. And in 2005, instant noodles in space. They modified instant noodles uh, for astronauts, and it's called Space Ram, or I guess Space Rom. Space Rom. Space Rom. Like spa- space Ramen. Oh, I see. But I they see. call it Space Rom. Space Rom. Which is Space Ram. They didn't Ram. really understand, like, where the breaks <laughs> yeah. in that word yeah. 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 Space Ram. The modifications are clever. So, you know, when we have instant noodles, it's usually a brick or a big yeah. chunk, right? They made little balls of ramen. They separated big chunks into little, little balls. They had to make the soup thicker so that it wouldn't spill in space mm. or it wouldn't be messy in space. They modified the starch content in the noodles so that it can be cooked with not boiling water. Cooked with hot water. But not boiling water oh, because okay. water cannot boil in space. Mm. So they had to come uh. up with a way that you can cook the noodles Got with it. a lower temperature water. I looked at pictures for this. Doesn't look very good, but I think <laughs> most astronaut food doesn't look very most good. Most space food, yeah. It's yeah. not about uh, the presentation. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. And of course, in addition to Asia, uh, instant noodles are super popular in countries like Nigeria and Brazil and Mexico. This is why this is one of the the best inventions of the 20th century because it's cheap, it is satisfying, it has enough calories in it for a lot of countries. This really helps with their hunger problem. It doesn't go bad sitting on the shelf. It doesn't go bad. Yeah, it can last for a while. Mm -hmm. And one of the experts say that they're cheap, they're tasty, and they're tweakable. And that's a thing. I mean, oh, sure. Yeah. And and therefore, you can change the flavors for a lot of different countries according to their own taste. That's, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Brazil, the really popular flavors are four cheese and tomato bacon. Oh, you know? delicious. That yeah. sounds good. And, and, and yeah. for us, it seems kind of weird. Like, whoa. Not tomato does. I was like, I, yeah, yeah, why not? Because you're so used to like <laughs> chicken or beef or right. seafood. Oh, right. Like a yeah, little bit like Shrimp there. or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I got one last fact. Oh, actually, a, a question for you guys. Per capita... What country consumes the greatest amount of instant noodles? Hmm. Like, what's your theory of guessing? Well, my theory of guessing is that it's a trick, but I'll go with the obvious answer. I'll I'll guess Japan. (laughs) I was going to guess Japan, but how about Taiwan? I guess the U.S. because we eat so much. It is South Korea. Oh, okay. So in between, close they, in mean, between Japan yeah. and Taiwan, you know, somewhere you got there. One but, one hand on the mouse, the other hand yeah. on, the, <laughs> on the noodles. There's I, a lot of really Starcraft good noodles fuel. though. Korean style ramen. And, yeah, and hot, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. the kimchi flavor. You know what? I bet the Starcraft thing. I would love to see like some sort of study about like esports and gaming and right. instant food. What do people yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I associate ramen as a gamer food. Like, I mean, here I just oh sure yeah, yeah that to I me it's college food. It's in America. It's true. It's both. It's both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. 
How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. So I'm assuming that you guys have all seen the classic 1980s movie, The Cannonball Run. You know what happens when you assume? It makes Colin an ass out of me. Out of you and Umption. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody, no one here has seen it. I don't even know what I've, the movie is I know is what about. it is, but I, I, I okay. sadly. Does it have Burt Reynolds? It does and have Burt Reynolds. Dagny Coleman? Dom DeLuise? Yes! That's, okay. that's what you're thinking of. You're you're making the classic Dabney Coleman Dom DeLuise switch. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I remember bright colors and cars and like people finding things funny that I didn't understand. Like, I remember <laughs> this movie. Like, okay, all right. And you just so now we know when have, we saw it. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of this and have no idea what it is. The premise of the movie is a coast-to-coast auto race. Yeah. Uh, and it is, I mean, it's an all-star cast. As you say, Burt Reynolds, Dom DeLuise, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., oh. Jackie Chan is one of the racers Whoa. in the movie, Terry Bradshaw, Roger Moore. Wait, Terry Bradshaw, the football player? Yes, mm-hmm. Terry Bradshaw, the football player uh, and budding actor at one oh, point. Yeah. And the plot of the movie was about a group of racers racing from Connecticut to California and, of course, the hijinks that ensue mm-hmm. along the way. Oh, that actually sounds fun. And illegal. Yes. <laughs> highly, yeah. highly illegal, yes. When did it come out? Uh, 1981. It was an absolute smash hit at the box office. It was it was the sixth highest grossing movie of 1981. There were sequels to it. It spawned yeah. a whole a whole sort of uh, genre of wacky auto race uh, uh. Uh, movies and stories. <laughs> Now, what you may not know, even if you've seen the movie several times, is that the Cannonball Run was directly inspired by a real-life, coast-to-coast race uh, of the same name. Several times over the course of the 1970s, they ran Cannonball Baker Sea to Shining Sea Memorial Trophy Dash. Informally, it was just called the Cannonball Run. And so let's back up a bit. Okay. Uh, let me tell you about Erwin Baker. Erwin Baker was a race driver and kind of all-around gearhead, vehicle nut. From the 1910s to the 1930s, he set dozens and dozens and dozens of driving records. And, and he was particularly interested in cross-country distance driving records. Uh, in 1915, he drove a Stutz Bearcat from L.A. to New York City, just a, a little bit over 11 days. Uh, over the course of the years, he got that record down to a week. And I want to I want to point out this this was before the interstate highway system. Okay, oh, so whoa. so this is on regular city roads, maybe a two lane highway here whoa. and there. Yeah, so just to put it in perspective. Okay, does he sleep? He would sleep on the multi day trips. Yeah, certainly. Uh, he did get to the point though where he was trying to go essentially nonstop, like just oh. stopping up just to gas or so you know. dangerous. I know for everybody. Yeah, it, it, there are. Uh, that means he pees in a seat. You can. Uh, <laughs> it does not necessarily mean. You can stop and pull over and pee yeah. by the side of the but, road. But they're not sleeping at all. He loved so that dangerous. car. He wouldn't just fill it with the smell of human urine. <laughs> the, the peak of his achievements was his 1933 drive, uh, where he went from New York City to San Francisco in 53 and a half hours. Wow! Zooming. Were there any national speed limits at that point? This in the was 30s? this predated national oh, speed wow. limit. 
minutes. Yeah, by sure. decades. Sure. Yeah. Right. Which helps, of yeah. course. The yeah. car established its own speed limit because it couldn't go that much faster. You're right. And this was the drive that would later inspire the Cannonball Run, named in his honor. So the first Cannonball Run was in 1971, and, and it was conceived by a guy named Brock Yates, who was a racer and a writer. Uh, he wrote for Car and Driver, and uh, Steve Smith, who also was affiliated with Car and Driver magazine. And they came up with the idea of, you know what, let's stage a grand spectacle of a coast-to-coast race, kind of sort of celebrate the fact that we do now have an interstate highway system, and we'll write about it, and we'll cover it in Car and Driver magazine. But it's still illegal? It is still highly, highly illegal. So when you do these races, you kind of have to do it on the down low. You don't Mm -hmm. publicize it until after you're done. So there was only one team running the run the first year. And over the course of the 70s, as it got more and more publicized and popularized, the, the number of teams grew. The rules were pretty much wide open. You could take any route you want. You could drive however fast you feel is necessary. Any type of vehicle you want. Uh, speeding tickets were your own responsibility. Everyone had to leave from the same starting spot. And the ultimate destination was a place called the Portofino Inn in Redondo Beach, California. And it really captured people's imaginations. Like, even if you weren't a, a racer or a car nut, it was just the idea of the spectacle of racing flying yeah. across the country. Fastest coast-to-coast time in a cannonball run uh, was set in the very last one in 1979. Made it in 32 hours and 50 one minute. Wow. wow. And that is fast. That was an average speed of 87 miles an hour. Whoa. Yeah, from all the way across the country, 3,000 miles. And uh, that's average. You know they went oh, way above. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And largely after the publicity and popularity of that last race is what kind of triggered Hollywood came calling and came to Brock Yates. And they he agreed to let them use the name for the movie. And they also sort of decided, you know what, this is too high profile now. We need to shut down the Cannonball Run. Uh, because yeah, at this point, yeah. cops the are going to be on the lookout, the whole yeah. nation. Yeah. Right. Okay. So... Cannonball Run retires. After the last Cannonball Run, after they retired it, uh, one of the racers who had run a couple of the earlier races decided, no, we need to continue this tradition going. Uh, So his name was Rick Doherty. And what he did is he created a race called the U.S. Express, which was functionally and spiritually almost the same as the Cannonball Run, right? Yeah, you're leaving from New York or Connecticut, racing down to California. Uh, So in the first U.S. Express in 1980, Rick Doherty, his driving partner... Ended up being none other than ah, Chris knows Will Wright, creator of Sim City and Whoa! The Sims and other such fine huh. video games. Were they friends? They were. Oh, they yeah. were. They knew each other through the circle. Apparently, each of them with had, the racing circle. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Eighty three was the last year they had it. But by the last year of the U.S. Express, the coast to coast, the fastest official coast to coast time was down to thirty two hours seven minutes. After after this last U.S. Express, a lot of the coast-to-coast driving attempts, they got really serious about it. And it got less and less about the, oh, the kind of the fun wackiness of a group race into yeah. dedicated single teams doing single team driving records. You do training. Secretly, highly illegal, lots of preparation. I mean, and I'm talking about modifying the yeah. car, larger gas tanks, you know, radar detectors. Uh, once ah. they became available, GPS. Mm-hmm. So that last record from the 83 U.S. Express stood uh, until 2006 
when a racer named Alex Roy and Dave Marr broke that record, 31 hours and four minutes. They waited almost a year to announce this, mainly because they wanted to wait for the statute of limitations <laughs> yes. yep. to expire yeah. on all, all of the, the traffic all the violations they that they yeah. most assuredly broke along the way. Yep. Yep. Just a few months ago, the record was broken again. Oh, really? By a big margin. Driver Ed Bolian and his two-man support team, they completed the trip in 28 hours. Wow. Oh, man. 50 minutes. So they're the only people who've done it under 30 hours. Basically. They are the only yeah. people who who claim to have documentation of doing it okay. sub 30 sure. hours. Yeah. Right. In interviews, they've asked uh, Ed Bully and they said, you know, like, what's the hardest part? Is it going without the sleep? Is it having to pee? And he said it was the preparation. They modified the car. Uh, they, <laughs> they took out the back seat so they could fit a 67-gallon gas tank in this oh, car. Okay. Oh. Okay. Yep. They had multiple GPS units. They had a police scanner. They had radar detectors. They had a laser jammer uh, for jamming a laser speed detection. They had a CB radio so they could listen to truckers talking. And on a couple occasions, they would impersonate truckers, actually, to help trucks get out of their way. Nice. Yeah, they would get on the CB. Yeah, and like, hey, can you move aside for me? Yeah, right, right. Again, these are not legal modifications to your car. There's so much gas in that car, and they're going so fast. What if they had a car accident? There are a lot of people who really say this is a shameful uh, activity. We shouldn't be glorifying. Uh, They could have killed people. They could have hurt people. Fortunately, nobody has ever been injured. There have been no serious accidents in any of these coast-to-coast attempts. Yet. Right. Fair point. Fair point. Now, to be fair, they are really, 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 really good at driving. Uh, They said that one of the biggest keys to their success was they had scout cars and lead cars. So they knew the route they were going to take, and they had enlisted friends Mm -hmm. and associates to drive at various periods, uh, you know, 100 or 200 miles ahead of them. They only waited a few weeks to announce their record. Oh. So it it is still right now actually a little bit of an open question of is it possible some jurisdiction somewhere may decide to come after them? But I'd like to wrap all of this up by looking at how far we've come uh, in, in less than 100 years. So, I mean, I think it bears repeating that, that none of these records would be possible today if it weren't for the interstate highway system. Even though there were pieces taking shape earlier, it wasn't until 1956, the Interstate Highway Act uh, was signed into law by President Dwight Eisenhower, who really felt, you know what, the nation needs a coordinated interstate highway system for many reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one, going way Way back before that, one of the early experiments happened in 1919. Uh, The U.S. Army conducted an experiment to see, is it even possible to drive coast to coast? So the Army sent out a convoy of trucks uh, from Camp Mead, Maryland, driving to San Francisco, California. The trip took them... Two months. <laughs> Wait, when was this? With an average speed of seven miles per hour <laughs> yeah. in 1919. Oh, now, to be yeah, fair, yeah, it was yeah, a convoy right. of trucks sure. and their army trucks. Yep, they all but, have to stay together. Yes. They have to go with Run the pace that. of the slowest <laughs> yeah. one. And the officer in charge of this convoy experiment, a young Dwight Eisenhower. Oh! Okay. So he's like, we need some roads. He had a vested interest yeah. from huh. decades back. It was a long two months. It was a long two months at <laughs> like, seven miles an hour. This? So that is the long and yet fast story of coast-to-coast driving in America. I can imagine the next benchmark, someone's going to try and get it under a day. What if someone needs to poop? 
You, I know everybody's asking that question in their heads. What do you adult do? Diapers. Adult diapers. They said they said that they brought bedpans with them just but, in case they needed them. It but, sounds like they didn't need to use yeah, them. Probably. It's not nice for their um, their cool guy status. Yeah, like exactly. I pooped in That's a true. tray. They'll, yeah, they'll yeah. tell you all about every single law they broke. But as to whether or not they used bedpans, <laughs> no if they did, they're probably not going to make that in the official report. Yeah. Of course, we here on Good Job Brain have no need for your Earth cars because we <laughs> we are in possession of a time machine. As as you know, constant listeners, if you've been following along the past couple of weeks, the, not just the, any time machine, not just any time machine, the fancy and ridiculous time interloper system, the Fartus, yes, has been stolen by our nemesis, international uh, thief Carmen San Mateo. Carmen and uh, one of her one of her uh, the hoodlums in her gang. Uh, supermodel and cat burglar hide a clue <laughs> have stolen it's so good, <laughs> so good. It's, just, it's just so good last time we got a tip <laughs> from uh from uh macapella the uh, non-instrumental non-infringing musical group that uh we we had to um solve there was an, an anagram, anagram. Yep. there was an anagram and the anagram well the 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 words of the anagram were hi nine rice nibbler Yep. And they let us know uh, that, that we would have to figure out how to anagram that into a famous four-word phrase used by a United States president in a speech. In a famous yes. speech. And yes. thanks to listeners who uh, lots of you guys solved this. This is tricky because the anagram is not in English. It was not in English. <laughs> it was an anagram of a four-word phrase in German. Yes. And that phrase turned out to be, as again, many of you got... Ich bin ein Berliner. Yeah. Uttered by uh, John F. Kennedy means I am a citizen of Berlin. Now, there was an um actually here <laughs> because a lot of people think that he actually made a mistake. He, he That he should have said Ich bin Berliner and that Ich bin ein Berliner means I am a jelly donut. Yes. <laughs> um, it would actually, if he really wanted to say, I am a jelly donut, that is what he would have said. And yeah. of course, if you listen to, uh, if you actually listen to the recording of the speech, people, they don't laugh at him. They right. applaud yeah, him. They so like, they're him. not, yeah, they didn't, they didn't think it was a, <laughs> a, a funny joke. Uh, luckily we were able to enter in the correct date, which was? Zero six two six. One nine six three, and that's June twenty sixth, nineteen sixty three. Punching that into the emergency backup fardis, we were off to scenic Berlin, Germany, in the sixties. This is what transpired when we got there. Today, in the world of freedom, the proudest boast is Ich bin ein Berliner. Ah, brain people. Oh, you found me. You must have also deduced what I was after all this time. Lincoln, Kennedy, the two American presidents shared too much in common for it to be a coincidence, but Lincoln was elected in 1860. Kennedy was elected in 1960. Both of them had vice presidents named Johnson. Lincoln was shot in Ford's theater while Kennedy was shot riding in a Ford Lincoln. Ah, if I could figure out what connected these two men, I could become president and then steal all of America's gold. Can you believe that Carmen called me crazy? She said something about confirmation bias, and then she ditched me here in Berlin and took off in the fartis. 
Maybe she's got a bigger plan, but I really thought that my scheme was perfection. A, a better, easier scheme, but it really takes higher devotion and youthfulness. Anyway, you might have caught me, but you'll never catch Carmen. Not unless you find the clue that I hid in that last sentence. Alright. Uh, I feel like we're getting well, close. Well, I mean, first yeah, of all, we close. were able to apprehend Hide a Clue. Hide a clue. Yeah. She is in. She sounds kind of familiar. She's in trivia jail. But what did she say? Yeah, her, her scheme was pretty bad. She's cray cray. Yeah. And you know what? She should have aimed for 2060 if she was going to keep the pattern. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 true. Well. <laughs> The two presents were assassinated. Like, Does she want that? Yeah, yeah also true. I, I really don't know what uh, what the plan was. All the beauty, steal, but not a lot of brains. Yeah, stealing yeah. America's gold. I think she thought that if you become president, you just get to walk into Fort Knox and walk out and with the gold. Right, later, right. I don't know. Um, I don't yeah. know what she's what she's thinking. It's so, inside the mind of a, a dangerous right. criminal. You know, but we sure. still need to get Carmen San Mateo, and luckily, yes. uh, you know, true to her name, hide a clue, uh, hit a clue for us. What did she say? A better, easier scheme, but. It really takes higher devotion and youthfulness. Mm. Interesting. Right. It's a weird. It's a weird bit of phrasing for a sure. A better, easier, not a better and easier, but a better, easier. A better, scheme. easier scheme. But it really takes higher devotion, and youthfulness. Well, All right. there's something in there. All right, listeners, you guys got to help us out. Of course, we'll update our fardis on the website, and you can. If you know the code, you can punch it in and see if we can track Carmen San Mateo down. And that is our show, everybody. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned a lot of stuff about fast things, instant noodles, cannonball run, FedEx. And you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and on our website, goodjobbrain.com. Thanks to our sponsor, lynda.com. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.